Hey, Scully, do you know what I absolutely love about VioletNivyBoutique.com? What? Plus sizes that are affordable, stylish, flatter my body, and the dresses have pockets. I was going to say and have pockets. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely love it. And what I love uh, about it is it also caters to, like, non-plus size people. So she has something for everybody. So... How's your experience been with Violet and Ivy? I love the cardigans and that no matter what you get, she has options that you can keep changing the look. So you can get the tank top and wear it with a cardigan. Or if it's summer, you can just wear the tank top. It's covering. It's flattering. You can pair it with a blue one. You can pair it with a yellow one. Like you have multiple options. It looks like you have this wide variety of clothes when you've got two or three options from her. I love it. Absolutely love it. And her nail designs are on point. Hand yeah, it's painted. I can't believe a person does that. I know. She does it. Yeah. Hand painted, press on nails that are affordable. So if you're looking for a great style, check out VioletNivyBoutique.com. Jason Scott Ellis was a seven-year police veteran when he was gunned down off of exit 34 on the Bluegrass Parkway in Bardstown, Kentucky on May 25th, 2013. It has been 10 years, and the search for his killer is still ongoing. Welcome to Take a Coffee Break and Chill podcast. Today we're telling you about the life, death, and investigation into the murder of Jason Scott Ellis. Hey, Coffee Breakers. I'm AC. And I'm Scully. And as you heard from the introduction, we are here to tell you about Jason Scott Ellis. (laughs) This is the second unsolved murder, really third, because... Kathy and Samantha, no, this is fourth, because it was Miss Strange was the first one, Mm -hmm. and then Kathy and Samantha. Like, a lot of them link it, like, to the same case, but it's two unsolved murders. Yeah. And now Jason from the Barstown, Kentucky series. Um, Okay, so I am going to kind of jump right into this. So, according to policemuseum.org, Jason Scott Ellis was the only boy out of three children born to Denny and Pam Ellis. Um, Jason was born on September the 22nd, 1978. So, just had a birthday. Just had a birthday Friday. And he grew up with his two sisters, Lacey and Kelly, in Batava, Ohio. (laughs) So, um, starting from a young age, Jason showed great interest in baseball. He began playing baseball during the T-ball years and continued the tradition all the way through school. He graduated from Glen East. It's not East. It's E-S-T-E. S-T? S-T High School in Withamville. Withamsville, Ohio. Withamsville, that's a mouthful. It's W-I-T-H-A-M. S-V-I-L-L-E. This is a mouthful. I know. Ohio in 1998. He then attended Cumberland College, which is located in Williamsburg, Kentucky. Jason would play baseball for college, and at the time of his death in 2013, he still held the all-time records at the college. Wow. Yeah. He would meet his future wife while attending Cumberland College as well. According to Jessica Knoll of WCPO on February the 14th, 2001, Jason attended a get-together at a friend's house where he would meet Amy Phillips. Jason was able to get Amy's telephone number from Amy's best friend and would soon call up to set up a date for the next week. Unbeknownst to the two, Amy's mother would pop in for a surprise visit when their date was scheduled. Instead of canceling the date, Jason bought two bouquets of flowers and took Amy and her mother out. Amy reports to Jessica Knoll that this was the moment that she knew Jason was the one. Amy and Jason quickly became close and the relationship grew. And while celebrating Christmas at Amy's family farm in 2002, he took Amy to the barn where he got down on one knee and proposed. Amy said yes, and the two were engaged. Mm -hmm. During their relationship, Jason told Amy that he had three dreams in life, to play baseball, have a family, and to work in law enforcement. (coughs) 
Jason would graduate from Cumberland College. I don't know why I can't say Cumberland today. Probably because Withamsville and all that. <laughs> Jason would graduate from Cumberland College in 2003, and he was drafted to the Cincinnati Reds, where he played for their minor league teams in Sarasota, Florida, and Billings, Montana. Never even heard of him. Well, we're not exactly big on the sports. Nope. Um, I knew who the Cincinnati Reds are, um, but that's because of the male folk in my life. Okay. Um, Jason and Amy were married at St. John's United Church of Christ in Louisville, Kentucky in October 2004. Shortly after the couple married, Amy would become pregnant with their first child. It was around this time that Jason decided to leave professional baseball to pursue that's why y'all love us. Y'all just get the real <laughs> a career in law enforcement. Jason would play his last professional baseball game two weeks before his son was born on 7-27-2005. The couple named him Hunter. The family decided to move closer to Amy's hometown of Bardstown, Kentucky, so they moved to Bloomfield, Kentucky, which is just about 25 minutes away from downtown Bardstown. Jason joined 27 sworn officers at Bardstown Police Department in 2006. It's relatively small. 20? 27. 27. For a city, though. I mean, eh, Bardstown is not large. Yeah. Like, we, you know, I think it's got 13,000. Yeah. Yeah. Bardstown Police Department has been around for a long time. Jessica Knoll reports that Bardstown Police Department began around 1824. Yeah and consisted of about 12 volunteers that banded together to keep the town safe and in order. That sounds like a wild west. It, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Before that time, the town was watched over by the local sheriff and their deputies. So, Literally, it's something out of the wild west. Yeah. Like, this there was a sheriff and two deputies, and they kept in line till it grew. Yeah, so I picture Mayberry. Yeah, a little bit. Or Gunsmoke. You, I don't know. I don't know. really know Gunsmoke. Mayberry, I'm with you, but yeah. Gunsmoke, no. So, for me, like this puts images of an old western in my mind mm -hmm. that I watched growing up. Um, anyway, in 1850s, a town marshal was appointed to enforce the town's rules and ordinances. And it wasn't until the 1860s that the police force had grown to six whole men. Several marshals came and went, and in 2006, when Jason Ellis joined the force, the number of officers had increased all the way to 27. Jason got to work as a police officer for Barnstown, and in 2008, Jason became the town's first K-9 officer. I'd want to be a K-9. Mm-hmm. He partnered with a German shepherd named Figo, and the two were best buds. Figo. Yes. He also received the Governor's Award for Impaired Driving Enforcement in 2007 and in 2008. And he, I guess, busted the most DUIs. DUIs or DWIs or whatever. Yep. In 2008, he was named Officer of the Year. Okay. So he set it on fire. Like, yeah. you know. He had a very distinguished, good career. Yeah, he basically got in there and was like, I'm doing all the things. Mm -hmm. um, well, if it was the thing that he wanted to do, does that make sense? That he would really be the best he could be at it. Yes, exactly. Jason enjoyed being in his law and being in law enforcement, even though his wife Amy worried. Which I can only imagine being the spouse of a law enforcement officer. You're gonna worry. I mean, I worry about mine, and he he works in construction. I say it sounds like yours is the way you worded that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you would, just because you never you don't know people. That's the thing. Yeah, you don't know what people are gonna do. Right, mine's electrician. Yeah. So I'm like, mm, make sure you make sure everything's not hot. He's like, I've been doing this for 20 plus years. What you talking about? But yeah. Still, don't make sure it's all off. Yep. So we were actually watching a video. We're going to go segue here. We were actually watching a video, and it was of a construction crew. And he's like, we hit the sparkling water. And so basically, that's when they run pipe water pipe next to electrical pipe. And, like, if somebody uh, hits the two and busts open. You get sparkling water. You get sparkling water. And it's a good way to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, we don't, why? Why is that a thing? Yeah. He's like, they run together a lot. Oh, I believe that. Because it's a convenience mm -hmm. thing because one's already got a di uh, ditch dug. And I'm like, uh-uh. 
<laughs> I just like that they call it sparkling water. Yes. Um, and then there's spicy dirt, and that's when there's no water, but you hit an electrical line, it just starts shooting, and mm. dirt goes everywhere, and da 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 da. Spicy dirt. That's not as fun as sparkling water. Right. But anyway, so, <laughs> um, but again, I worry. So, I can only imagine. The family welcomed their second son, Parker, in 2007. The family settled into life in Bardstown, and Jason began coaching t-ball and Little League. So, again, his love of baseball. Yeah, small-town life. Yeah. His son, Parker, was just like his daddy when it came to baseball. However, as life sometimes happens, Amy and the boys had a different schedule than Jason sometimes. On May 24th and 25th were two of those days. Jason was working night shift. And I'm going to give you a rundown of the 24 hours prior to Jason's death, okay? On Monday, May 24th, 2013, Jason would arrive home at around 2.30 a.m. and woke Amy as she slept on the couch. Amy, happy that her husband was home, went to bed and left the couch and TV for Jason. Jason settles in to unwind from his shift. Later that morning, about 5.45 a.m., Amy begins her day with Jason sleeping in the bed beside her. She cuts off her alarm and gets ready to start her day. Amy is a substitute teacher for the local elementary school and has the end of the school year approaching. It's time for some fun, and the students and teachers have their school's annual field day that day. Mm, okay. I don't know if you remember field day. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really like it. I love Phil. Well, <laughs> there was a best. <laughs> Amy gets the boys up and ready to go while making her coffee and breakfast of a protein shake because mama's got to do what mama's got to do. Mm-hmm. And at 7 a.m., Amy and the boys leaving their home and head to school, arriving there about 30 minutes. So they lived about 30 minutes away from the school. Jason is still sleeping peacefully. Jason sleeps um, until afternoon when he gets ready for his next shift. He dresses in his uniform, pants, shirt, undershirt, bullet-resistant vest, and uniform shirt, as well as his work boots. He puts on his belt, and law enforcement belts come with a lot of gadgets. They're like 30 pounds themselves. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that includes a taser, a 40 caliber Glock, handcuffs, pepper, pepper spray and two ammunition magazines Mm -hmm. he puts on his watch and he's ready to go around 3 30 p.m amy is driving home with the boys and is speaking to hunter's nurse when jason tries to call several times amy doesn't click over to answer the calls but amy does see jason driving toward his cruiser towards town as she's coming home she slows down and puts the car in park and rolls down the window Um, She quickly puts her hand over the phone and places Hunter's nurse on a brief hold. Jason and Amy have a quick conversation about the night schedule. Jason reported to Amy that that he would meet her and the boys at Parker's t-ball game later that evening, which Jason is supposed to assist in coaching. Um, The couple exchange I love yous and go in their separate directions. At 3.52 p.m., Jason calls on duty to dispatch using his officer's number of 139. And Jason begins patrolling his usual beat around downtown Bardstown, which is described in Lucinda Strange episode as one of the oldest towns in Kentucky and has a historical downtown area. Bardstown is what everyone thinks about when it describes a historic old southern town on the smaller side of around 14,000 people. Most folks are friendly, and there are plenty of smiles going around, but that doesn't mean that the town is safe. It just means it feels that way. Yeah, life can be deceiving. Yeah. At 5.40 p.m., Jason finishes up a traffic call and goes to Dean Watts Park to assist in coaching Parker's t-ball team. He meets with fellow officer and coach Andrew Riley. Okay. Amy notices that Jason has a scowl on his face when he arrives to the field, most likely because he was late to the game. Jason jumps right in and starts assisting Andrew coaching, and just a few plays into the game, Jason hears dispatch on his police radio calling for 139 and 133. Is that both of them? No. 139 is Jason. Yeah. 
133 is a different officer. I don't, I'm not exactly sure who 133 okay. is, but Andrew is not on duty at this time. Okay. And uh, I was just looking at pictures of Bardstown. I had to look it up because you said small. They gorgeous. Oh, I bet so. It was voted most beautiful small town in America. They have like a, a roundabout, as Siri calls it. Uh-huh. And I don't know what that building is in the center. I bet you this, like their town hall, their courthouse. It is so pretty. Mm-hmm. Like, unbelievably pretty. But go ahead. <laughs> Jason responds to um, the call and is informed that there is a domestic situation at 114 McGee, McGee Street. Jason ten fours and heads off to the field. Heads off the field to his cruiser, not stopping to say goodbye to Amy before leaving. Yeah, I think he's a little upset. Yeah, because he's probably looking to enjoy the game and like get some time, just not needing, you know. Yeah. At six fifteen, dispatch provides more information to Jason about the call. The dispatcher tells Jason that the subject is refusing to leave the area and that he told the victim, and that the dispatcher had told the victim to stay clear of the subject until police arrived. Yep. Once or once Jason arrives, he speaks with the victim who tells him that the subject is her ex-boyfriend who she only dated for a week and does not live with her and um, was at her house when she got home. She reports that the subject broke in and is refusing to leave. Oh, good Lord. Jason speaks with witnesses on scene that report to him that they saw a man kick down her back door, and it was the same man that was currently refusing to leave the porch area. Jason observes the dented door, and the ex-boyfriend admits to his refusal to leave. <clears throat> Jason orders the man to leave the premises and issues a ticket and clears the scene. For what, though? Isn't that breaking an entry? Yes, I don't know what it may be a trespass. I have no idea. So he gave him a pass. Like He's just like, stop this nonsense. Basically, from what I can understand. Yeah. Jason then drives back to Dean Watts Park just in time to see the ball game wrapping up and the kids and parents heading for the parking lot. Mm. Jason leaves the area since the game is over and Amy and the boys head home. By 8 p.m., Amy and the boys are home and snuggled together to watch the Disney Channel as they're all tired for the events of the day. So they had field day and then... And then a game? Yeah. Yeah. At 9 o'clock p.m., Andrew Riley, Jason's friend and co-worker and fellow T-ball coach, calls into duty um, calls into duty to dispatch with his officer's number, officer number, which is 126. Okay. Around 9.30 p.m., Jason makes a pit stop at Five Star Gas Station and Convenience Store. This is Jason's normal stop when on duty. Typically, he gets a Mountain Dew, a can of Copenhagen, and a turkey sandwich, but tonight... He gets 11 slices of American cheese from the deli. Tonight, Buck Snellen, the officer in charge, brought homemade sausages to grill out for dinner, and Jason thought the cheese would go well. What was it called? Five Star what? Five Star Gas. Five Star Gas, okay. I'm just looking. I want to see if it's like a bougie. <laughs> like, <laughs> what we and they got a deli. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. After dinner, at around 10.55 p.m., Jason is sitting in his cruiser, um that I have forgotten to mention up to this point. This is not Jason's normal K-9 cruiser. This is a cruiser that is kind of like in this like rotation, like in the lot. His cruiser is in the shop. Do I know why? I want to say it was, um, okay, hold on. I actually addressed that. I don't know how long it was in the shop. Some articles state that it was receiving a paint job and the other repairs. So I'm not sure why or how long it had been in the shop at this point. So he's without his canine at this time? He is without FICO this time. Okay. Um, so Jason was driving a pool cruiser. That was the, yeah, that was the word I was looking for. I didn't know they had such things, so. Yes. Well, I just think of the old cruisers, like standby, in case a new one goes out or wrecks or whatever. I, I didn't know they usually had a standby. I thought, like, if it went out, it was like, you got to go, like, for us, you got to go to Columbia and figure something out. Yeah. Because it's headquarters gotta, for everything. But You got to go to headquarters and yeah. get one from state fleet or law right. enforcement fleet or whatever. Um, but this cruiser did not have a gash cam, dash cam. So it was old. Yes, and it was not equipped with a canine unit with the air conditioning cage, you know. Or a cage probably in general. Yeah, so Figo was at home with Amy and the boys. 
next day. I didn't know that. Yeah, they get to take, they go home with them. Yeah, but I thought. They're best buds. Yeah, but for, and I know I guess they stayed with that officer, but for whatever reason, I thought he was with another officer during the, because he was the only one. Yep. Okay. Jason and Andrew sit in the early childhood center parking lot and talk for a few minutes before Jason decides to call Amy at 11 p.m. When he calls Amy, she answers, and when asked what they are doing, she tells them that they were asleep. No. Jason tells Amy he loves her and she's love you too and they end the call. Uh, Andrew and Jason continue to joke back and forth through text message as they go their separate ways while on shift. At 11.58, Jason is dispatched to an area of town for a disorderly complaint. Jason arrives on Allison Avenue at 12.05 a.m. on Saturday, May 25th, 2013, but he can't find the subject. He calls back to dispatch asking for clarification. Jason searches for the subject and is able to find him in the middle of the road. Okay. The subject has one arm and is bloody and described as mean and drunk. <clears throat> His name is Joseph William Hamilton. Jason notices that Hamilton has a head wound that is bleeding. Hamilton has fallen in the street while drunk. And Jason, so is he beating himself up? Well, I think from falling. That's what I'm saying. Like, like yeah. All his wounds are self-inflicted. I don't. Huh? Self-inflicted. It's because of stuff he's doing. That's like he's I not mean. punching himself in the head, but he fell and hit his head. Basically. Well, I'm say self-inflicted because he's apparently highly he's intoxicated. An, uh, he's highly intoxicated. And he's falling over and hurting himself. Yes, essentially. Okay. Um. Jason calls back into dispatch and asks for ask if EMS is en route. Dispatch confirms that EMS was paged at the same time Jason was. Jason 10 fours and waits for EMS to arrive, and they do. Um, at 12.12 a.m., Andrew Riley arrives to Allison Avenue just in time to see Jason walk Hamilton while on a stretcher to the back of the ambulance. So Andrew notes that Hamilton is using profanity and seems to be highly intoxicated. Jason clears the scene around 12.15 a.m., reporting to dispatch that they were probably going to get a call from Flaggett, which is the hospital. Yeah, he's being stupid. Yes, due to Hamilton's behavior, and that Jason was going to just start moseying <laughs> his way toward the hospital. That's an officer that's been doing it for a minute. Yes. At 12.31 a.m., Jason receives a call from dispatch stating that Hamilton, as predicted, was starting a ruckus at the emergency room. Jason 10 fours and continues to make his way toward the hospital. At 12.33 a.m., Jason arrives at the hospital, but Hamilton had already assaulted hospital workers. Yeah. Jason calls into dispatch stating that he has arrived. Hamilton, it, when he goes into the hospital, Hamilton is restrained face down on a gurney. <laughs> and Hamilton begins cursing and threatening Jason, to which Jason pays no mind to. He's just like, okay. Jason speaks with the doctor in charge of Hamilton's care and reports that as soon as he is medically cleared, Jason will take him to county jail. Jason speaks with hospital staff and chats until the doctor makes the medical clearance determination. Jason receives that clearance at 1.20 a.m. when he mm -hmm. arrested Hamilton and t t takes custody of him and puts him in the back of his cruiser. He called into dispatch that Flaggett was cleared and that he was on his way to Nelson County Jail with Hamilton. Jason and Hamilton arrive, um, it's about a mile um, to Nelson County, and they arrive at 1.46 a.m. Jason is greeted by Sergeant Sheckles, and Jason completes his paperwork on his arrest of Hamilton while chat chatting with Sergeant Sheckles. Um, and as Jason is leaving the jail, he informs the jail staff that he would see them tomorrow. He then calls into dispatch and clears county. At 1.59 a.m., Jason calls off-duty to dispatch and starts to head home. Jason takes a left turn from Route 150 in Bardstown onto Bluegrass Parkway East on his way to exit 34 that's just over 13 miles away from downtown. He approaches exit 34, his exit to home. He is just 10 minutes from home once he hits the exit. As he makes the exit and starts to incline up the exit, he notices something in the road. It looks like a pile of debris, tree limbs, and brush. Jason turns his cruiser to the right, parking it diagonally across the exit ramp so that others' cars can't pass. He puts his cruiser in park, turns on his police lights to warn others that he has stopped. 
He gets out of the car and decides to move the brush so he can get home. He reaches down and grabs an armful of limbs and brush. Jason turns slightly to the right, then he hears the unmistakable sound of a 12-gauge shotgun. Jason is hit. Jason's vest takes an impact as well as to the area just below his armpits on the right side, where he is not protected by his vest. He is hit with buckshot. Another blast hits Jason with a different type of ammunition, birdshot. This hits Jason in his right upper arm, his forearm, and shatters his right elbow. Mm-hmm. A third shot is taken, back to buckshot. This shot impacts Jason's scalp, forehead, and temple. And one of the pellets lodges in his right jaw. <clears throat> At 2.36 a.m., Mr. Monroe, a local farmer and distiller, distillery worker, is coming home from the night shift at Heaven Hills Distillery. Tired and ready to go home, Mr. Moreau goes to exit 34 off the Bluegrass Parkway. He is stopped at the exit when he sees a dark-colored Toyota Corolla. He sees blue lights in front of the Corolla and sees a police cruiser in park with the lights on. Chad gets out of his truck and approaches the Corolla. He talks with an intoxicated woman who is in the passenger seat driving as the woman's 19-year-old son. Chad asks if they've seen anybody, and the 19-year-old tells him no, and they didn't want to get out of the car because his mother had been drinking. Chad tells him to sit tight, and he walks up to the incline exit ramp. Mm -hmm. He knocks on the back of the cruiser as he approaches to let the officer know he is there and not wanting to startle him. He calls out into the darkness but gets no response. He makes his way around the cruiser to see what the situation is, and then he notices the tree limbs and brush in the roadway blocking it. As he continues around the cruiser, he notices Jason lying in the roadway and a four-foot trail of blood around him. Mm. Chad quickly bolts back to the Corolla, telling them that they need to try to reach someone on Jason's police radio in the cruiser to let them know an officer was down and to get help while he tries to see what Jason's status is. The woman goes and gets on the, does go get on Jason's radio, and um, she is trying to convey where they are. Like, remember, she's intoxicated. I, have a son do it. I, I think he was just terrified. Okay. I don't know. Um, so, Chad goes to see whether or not he can perform CPR, and he realizes that Jason's gone. Yeah. Um, so he ends up walking back to the police cruiser, gets on the radio, tells them exactly where they are, yeah. um, and that his body was cold. How do we know? Did you said you you said the time that his car got there, his patrol car? I don't know the exact time that his uh, patrol like, car got there, but it wasn't long because so he at one fifty nine he called one fifty nine a.m. he called off duty, right? And it was thirteen miles, so um, and that it had been like three because you said it was ten miles from his house, so it hadn't been no, it was ten minutes from his house. Ten minutes, and they live house. about thirty mi- thirty minutes away from okay. Bardstown. So okay. he was already 20 minutes into and, a 30 minute drive. Okay. So they, Chad, gets there at 2.36. So 10 minutes. Okay. And Do I know when the Corolla got there? I have no clue. Okay. Um, okay. So it's been over 10 years since Jason's murder and there have been there has been no arrest. Over the past 10 years, officers have searched a pond near the exit um, 34 to see if they could find the gun used because this was a shotgun. Yeah, I, I was that's what I was looking at. I don't want you to think I'm not listening. I'm, I'm googling what you're like this case as you're talking. And I did see they had a canine that kind of indicated that there might be something there. So they ended up searching that pond, I right. guess trying to find some evidence. Right. Um, they have interviewed hundreds of people and interviewed every officer and deputy in the county. They have investigated a local gang called Bardstown Money Gang. Oh, Lord. 
after a member made statement stating the gang was involved. However, this went nowhere. And that's not, I can't say, I don't want to say typical, but it's not out of the realm. Like anytime an officer or somebody like that is murdered, all kinds of people come out of the woodwork trying to say they did it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Try to, you know, get the, the get credit. The credit. The, yeah, quote unquote. Yeah. So, um, let's discuss because, like, that, well, I mean, that's the facts of the case. That's what I have. So, that's what I was looking. So, like, this is WLKY. I think it's like a local. Uh, yeah, WLKY. I've gotten really familiar with them. Okay. So, I'm reading, they did like a breakdown of it. Yeah. And they were, this part I found really interesting. On June 4th of 2013, they asked, I guess it's the police department, asked to speak to anyone in the Nelson County or the surrounding area who had their trees trimmed or removed in the days leading up to Ellis's shooting because the tree limbs found at the scene were not from the area. Yeah, I should have put that in here. Yeah, I knew that. I'm sorry. I should have put that in here. That, like, 100% takes it from... Something fell off the somebody back right. of somebody's truck into somebody planned this. was a this. planned thing. I don't know if he was the target, but I feel like he had to be because he turned on his lights. And, like, like you see what I'm saying? Like a hired hit. Like, uh, if you're saying it's not. I don't know if it was a hired hit or if it was a revenge hit. Or a you getting too close to something hit. That's what I'm saying. You knew. Or somebody thought you knew. You can't. I guess that's what I'm trying to get. It's like you couldn't say, oh, it was a mistake. Like, we didn't mean to kill him because he got out. He put his blue lights on. If that's not your intended target, then you just let him clear the road and leave and you put it back out and try again. <laughs> like, you wouldn't attack him unless he, he was, was your intended. Target. Or any cop or whatever. Or, yeah, any cop. I, it, it's too, it's so weird because yeah. no dash cam. And somebody had to know this, right? So here's my thing. Somebody had to know that he was in a car that would not catch anything on camera because most police officers, especially in 2013, now I know it's been 10 years, but like a lot, I mean, dash cam's been around for a hot minute. But even where it sounds like he was shot, it wouldn't have been visible anyway. Well, the way that he parked, he parked to the right. Yeah. Diagonally. It would have been facing off to the direction that the shot came from. Right. But you still wouldn't have saw shooters. You might have just caught him being shot, but I think... Oh, no, 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 no. You're right. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't close enough. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But then my other question is, it was birdshot, buckshot, birdshot, right? Yeah. Is there three shooters? Is it one? We don't know. It's at least somebody reloading. Yes. So... I lean to two. I lean to two shooters. Two, two shooters? Yeah. Like one fired, one fired, and the other one fired mm-hmm. again? Maybe when he went down, that's when they quit? Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Because then you got to go. You're yeah. on the major exit. Like, yeah, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, but you can't be hanging around. And then I'm also like, how how quickly did this go down? Because he's 10 minutes away from home. At this exit. At that exit. I want to know so bad, like, when, like, timeline, when did that Corolla roll up? Because I feel like that has got to be right after. Yeah, so that's me. And then I want to go, like, what was the last car prior to Jason going through? Yeah. Like, what car was that? Yeah. No cameras at the exit at that time. Yeah. But, like, who was that person? Where did they park to get away? Or did they truck it through the woods? Like, yeah. um... Who's Tommy Ballard? That is Crystal Rogers' father. Okay. Because on January 20th of 2023, it says a special prosecutor is appointed to work the case as well as Crystal Rogers and Tommy Ballard. So I don't, I I think Jason and Crystal's case are very linked and I will go into the theories, but I've got to put this out here first. Okay. Any and all people that we discuss as possible subjects or, or perpetrators are to be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law. Yeah, it's just our opinion. (laughs) It's just our opinion. So, Crystal, and I can't remember her boyfriend's name. Crystal was dating one of the Hawks, okay, Um, brothers. There's two of them. Okay. Nick Hawks was on the force with Jason. Okay. Okay, Nick eventually got fired from Bardstown PD 
and he looks very suspect <laughs> fired before or after 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 crystal so this happened in 2013 crystal didn't happen until 2015 okay her dad her dad didn't get shot until 2016 okay so now there has been an arrest in crystal's case recently but it's a conspiracy to commit murder and it's neither one of the house hux house i don't I don't know how to. Yeah. H U Z hooks. Okay. Um, case. Um, neither one of them. I do feel like they played an integral role in her disappearance. Either that or they're just. Well, we don't know what this person that just got picked up is going to say either. We don't know. No. Because they may sing. They may. <laughs> don't know. But I, I think that's why. I think law enforcement thinks that these two cases are linked. Well, yeah, that's. I was looking at May 26th, the timeline again, mm-hmm. and it says that they do believe it was premeditated and debris was planted in the road to lure him to his death. And then they said to the death, they claim, they say one gunman. So Maybe. They said the gunman was likely on the hill. And but this is the part that I didn't agree with, that it's not known if Ellis was the target or the victim of a random shooting. I feel like it's a targeted it shooting. It has to be, right? Yeah, but how dumb are you? You're going to even chop down trees from a different area and take them there. Well, they've never found the area where the tree came from, so apparently pretty freaking smart. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's like, I don't know. That to me is like even more like, this is planned. Like, Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I think they wanted it to be known that it was planned. Could be. That's what I get because you're blowing somebody. I mean, you're shooting somebody off the interstate after blocking it. Like true, you know. I just don't. there's a lot of different ways you can do an accidental shooting, but that's not one of them. <laughs> like, and it said that um, he never even got to fire his service weapon; that it was still holstered. Like yeah. so it was complete blindside. Completely. He didn't even have a chance. No. Um to even respond to it like he picked up the debris looks like he was heading back to like dump it off the side and i even like y'all know typically i'm like devil's advocate on here like i'll try to figure out other stuff and when you showed it to me i was like is it possible i mean granted it's 2 a.m and you shouldn't it's illegal and all but somebody was doing something in the woods and it was an accidental but when you look at where he shot and the back to back to back there's no way there's no way to devil advocate that there's no wood it's the interstate well, it is though there's if you look at the one picture it's got like a little wooded area yeah but you can't hunt there <laughs> well you can't hunt at two o'clock in the morning either well i mean that's true so i mean but you know i'm just i try to think was it something like anything like that but when you look at all the facts of it i mean you have, can't see it for anything other than what it is which is it's a hit that's what, it, that's, what it, that's what to me that's what this I is i agree i feel like he was which is, yeah. And they had to do it fast. So that's why I know they didn't yeah. say one shooter. But, like, how did one person get all this debris off the, the – they had to know – if this was a hit for Jason, they had to know his time schedule, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they had to know he usually gets off work. And that's his ride home. And that's his route home. Like, mm-hmm. they had to know that stuff. Yeah, because – there are many ways to my house. Right. But, but I have a typical, typical route. route home. Yeah, same. So someone knows that. Yeah. Or it, or if it is just a random, like... I, I'll be honest with you. I'm crazy. I switch it up. What do you mean? Oh, <laughs> I don't typically. I may I want to now, but <laughs> I don't. I just... You typically don't, especially at 2 a.m. You're like, I'm tired. I'm going, I'm going home. But then my other question is, was the debris still in the road? Yes. Okay. Like when the Corolla got there and Chad got there? Yeah. yeah. it was still in the road. So they still saw the debris in the road? The, yes. It was still in the road. So whoever shot him just shot him and left. Like left the debris, left everything, just shot him and left. So as soon as he went for debris, they shot him? Yes. He like walked over, reached down, and I keep going to the left because I'm left dominant, but he was right dominant, obviously, and like shot him. Like, he, he got back up with a, a, a scoop of, like... But see, they got under his arm. So, what I think happened, because it was up on a hill, I think he heard something, maybe branches or something like that, and he, he did this to, like, because his car is right here and the lights are flashing, mm-hmm. and I say, do this, like, y'all can see what I'm doing, but I, like, put my hand up, like, to... Your your right hand to shield, shield your eyes, eyes from, from the, what would be the light. Flashing lights to see what what it is he probably thought it was an animal or something and got and that's when the first shot went in underneath the armpit yeah and then it was just back to back yeah 
And that, I guess that's why I'm like, did the people in the Corolla see anything? If they did, it's not been released to the public, and that's the thing. So, and I know they don't release everything because no. if there is something, they're trying to confirm that so they can definitively say we got the shooter. Yeah, like so or shooters. If they saw like a truck, or if they saw somebody in the woods, or if they any of that, none of that has been released to the public for just general information. I'm gonna say no because I think if they had identified like a truck or like something like that that they would release it looking for that make model truck but like it had to be a truck right like they had to come in a truck right you can't throw like limbs in the back of a car yeah i mean you can but enough to block entire roadway i don't know what kind of limbs we're talking about i don't know if we're talking about just a bunch of little stuff or if we're talking like like a chunk of a tree, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, the way I, it seemed like it was like a brush pile. Yeah, and I'm looking at the picture so I can try to describe it to you guys. So, it's it's like one of those sharp curves. I don't know if you've ever been around, like you're getting back on the interstate or getting off of the interstate. There's several around here that are like that. But on this one, I see trees on what is the left side, like he's going up the ramp. But the other side has got like a rock wall kind of built. It's not super high, no. like, but it's definitely. And there's like a bunch of, I mean, somebody could be crouched down in any of that Yeah, brush. It's not even brush, really. It's just like little shrubs. Shrub, like a bunch, yeah, tall grass. Um, But it's, I mean, it's relatively, I don't know when you get around that curve how much privacy you have, but that's, it's not really private, really. It's not. That's what I'm saying. Like, who was driving up and down that road? And this is why I'm such a p- big proponent of cameras. Like, just put cameras. Like, like yeah. put cameras on the interstate so you can see the exits and all that good stuff because... But if he parked, the way that it looks... And you can just Google... Uh, I did Jamie Ellis, Bardstown, Kentucky image. Jason. Jason. Of- I keep calling him Jamie. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> Jason, if you... And I have it. I read it as Jamie as I'm looking at Jason. Yeah. Um, anyway... If you Google those pictures, you can see, like, if he parked diagonal to block to, the road, to the right. he's barely off. Because I don't know if this is a picture of it or what, but he's just starting to go up the curve when he's parked. Mm-hmm. So that's still visible, it looks like, from the main road, like, from the interstate. I don't know. Or was he higher up? I think he was, like, the way that the I picture it in my head was he was, like, uh, three fourths to a halfway up that ramp. Not three fourths, one fourth. Okay, <laughs> see, this is the image that I have. Yeah. And see, that would still be visible from coming the interstate up this way. Yeah. Yeah, like if you got to a certain part, you would see up a little bit. Yeah. So I'm like, anybody? I'm sure they put out anybody see anything. I'm, at two o'clock, it's probably not super populated. Yeah. But two o'clock in the morning, small town. Yeah. It's just. And it is like a rock wall. It's shorter. It's like maybe four feet. And then it looks like it goes up like six feet or more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is, I mean, there's brush all over it. But even then, across from the rock wall, it looks like that's the road that you're going to connect to. Mm-hmm. So were they on that side? Of, were they on the rock wall side or the brush side? They were on the right side. So however that. That'd be more the brush. That's the flatter side. Yeah, that's the that's the angle which the shots came through. It was to the right. So I don't even know how you get to that part unless you come off the exit and then go up in there somehow or park into it. Or park into it or park at the top. Or park at the top and go down. Yeah, because that's, in my head, that's what I think happened. Like, they parked at the top, like, maybe in the cover of trees. Yeah. Right there. And then they, they, they dumped it and then pulled on around. And I'm like, did they have a trailer? Like, to carry this brush, because, like, again, it ha- and I say they, because it's got to be more than two, right? Like, it's got to be more than one. One person to dump the brush, go park the truck, get the stuff in a span of, like, ten minutes. Well, you don't know how long they've been sitting out there. Like. No, that's true. But in my head, they didn't dump it until he got off work, and they knew it was coming, because anybody could have came through there at that point. True. Like, like, well, you could have a scout. That's what I'm saying. One looking, like, here comes a police cruiser, it's him, and then you put it out there. Maybe they had it on the side, Yeah, just and then <laughs> one went out there and drug, like, if it's a big branch or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I will, 
Another image that I found, there's all kinds of tracks. Do you see that in the tree line? Yes, so yes. See, I'm, that's what I'm there's saying. got to be there's something else. They're just they're holding on yeah. to be able to figure it out. But yeah, I I wholeheartedly believe this man was murdered for something he knew. Yeah. Which we usually go conspiracy all day, every day, but Yeah. I feel like it's too convenient. It's too planned. Yeah. Here's some trees that aren't even from around here. Right. Like here's and some here's trees. Shotgun. And then bam, 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 gone. Yeah. And nobody saw anything. Nobody heard anything. Right. And then he's bleeding out. Yes. Like that. That's crazy. Yeah. Within six minutes. Yeah. Somebody was there. And the Corolla was there before Chad was. I know. So. I'm a little annoyed at the Corolla, if I'm going to be honest. Because you're like, why didn't you get out? Why didn't you get out? I don't know that I would, though. At two o'clock in the morning. I don't know. If I see a police cruiser... I'm calling in or something. I'm calling 911. I'm like, hey, y'all blocking the road. But like, is everything okay? Like, do we yeah. need to find a new route? Like, because we're right off like a, what looks like interstate. So yeah. do I need to back back up and go? Like, what do we need to do? Right. And I after- don't see an officer, you know? Like, and I, how long do you wait? That, maybe that's it. Because I wouldn't know what to Cause do. Because it's six minutes from the time he shot to the time Chad comes. Like, are you just waiting? Yeah. And the, and the lady was drunk, so she's like, oh, God, they're coming. You know, I can only yeah, imagine. she's paranoid. <laughs> and the 19-year-old's probably paranoid, too. Cause... He's probably terrified, you know. So, like, I don't know. So, like. I don't know. I would have called in after a couple minutes, I think, if I. I don't know. I don't know, because I probably would have waited to see if I saw somebody pop up. But if I didn't see anyone. But what length of time? Because it was only time? six minutes from the time he got shot to the time Chad pulled up. And if. The Corolla had only pulled up like a minute before that. Yeah. You know, how long do you give the officer with the flashing lights before you? But see, I feel like I would have bright-lighted, too, just to see if I could see the officer. Oh, I know I would have bright-lighted. <laughs> and if I didn't see him in his cruiser, I would have been I would have been scared. Oh, yeah, been like, that's what Where I'm are you? Well, that's my thing. Like, but how you long see the ever... flashing lights. Like, are you scared? Like, are they hunting somebody? Because you couldn't see yeah. the brush. Because so you don't it... want to get out. Yeah, so it could because it's like blocked. So mm-hmm. you're just waiting for the officer to come tell you what to do, basically. So when the other car got there after like six minutes, did he just immediately get out? Yeah, I think he waited like less than like a minute. He tired. He wanted to go home. Okay. He's like, what's going on? <laughs> got it. Because that was, yeah. I hate that. And his, his kids are grown and all now. Yeah. But... If you know anything about the murder of Jason Jason Ellis on May 25th, 2013, please contact Nelson County Sheriff's Office, the FBI, or Bardstown Police Department. And I'm not going to be surprised if after this arrest in the Crystal Rogers, if we don't see something. Like, I feel like something's coming. I think they're getting closer. I do, too. And if nothing else, somebody is going to spook and... Yep. I really want to cover. I really want to cover the Crystal Rogers case just because I've got thousands of opinions. I, I feel like the world should know. <laughs> we are, but we're gonna wait till maybe something, maybe a result. It may be a worder. It may be a word, a, a mystery. A mystery. Um, hopefully, I mean, the goal is for them to get solved. So we don't have so many cases like this. No, oh, absolutely. I mean, I know his children are grown, and his wife, you know, is they were married nine years. Is that what I read? I think so. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure she's remarried. I was going to say, I'm sure at this point it maybe moved on. I mean, I don't think you ever get past that loss, but well, she still speaks. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But just for that piece, I feel like it would bring in like an actual closure to it. So my whole thing is, you know, like this is an accident. Like yeah. this was somebody shooting him. They're still walking around and you know that. Yeah. And that has to be terrifying, especially in your county. Yeah. Like. In a small town. Um, some, And that's why I guess I'm surprised. And that's why I do lean towards there's connections somewhere. Because in a small town, a, like a that's a hit on a law enforcement officer. In a small town. And it's not, there's nothing. Right. Like. There's always weird. rumor. I promise you, these, these police officers that are investigating this case has heard from everybody. It, I did read that, too, and especially around the anniversary. They mm-hmm. get, like, an uptick of leads, leads and, and tips and different things that they have to investigate. But 
nothing's panned out so far that we know of. And they have 27 officers or 29. What'd you tell me? 27. 27. So then my other question is how many are investigators that just patrol? I do. No, that was the whole police department, but it didn't happen in the city limits. So this is Nelson County Sheriff's Department that's okay, investigating so a lot with um, Kentucky State Police. And I think the FBI's gotten involved. I did see something yeah. about FBI. They uh, did a billboard and a couple other things, yeah. I think, offered rewards and yeah. different things. So essentially, their version of SLED is also helping investigate this Got case. Got it. Okay. So, so that was my other thing. Like, I feel like 27 officers. I'm I mean, like, that don't have any investigators. They're like, one? Like, I <laughs> I don't know if he can keep up with it or she, you know, I don't yeah. know, but that yeah. makes me feel better that it's a lot larger. And I, I don't know why I didn't, I knew that I read that, that it was Nelson County and FBI was with it. Yeah. And Kentucky state police. And Kentucky state, yeah. So if y'all know anything, hit them up, let them know. Let's get it solved. Yeah. Give his family some kind of peace. Yeah. And just know that this person who's capable of plotting a murder Whoever did it and whoever helped do it. Yes. All involved. I think there had to be two. There had to be at least one to do the shooting and one to be the lookout. Well, I'm wondering if the our theory, because that is all that it is. Yeah. If an officer is on the force, you could easily have your radio on and know he just called out. See, exactly. That's where I go. And you'd be able to say he always takes the same thing. You He'll, know him. Mm-hmm. You know him so well. So because you, you know the people you work with. Like, yeah. I know which way you take home. Yeah. You don't know which way I take home. Well, I know, I know where your first stop is. Yes. <laughs> but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, they, he knew. Yeah. He like, was on duty. I'm sorry, that, that came out so creepy. Like, I know where your first stop is. It's Didn't mean it like that. It's just. But he was also that officer that we mentioned off earlier. Duty? On duty. So even, even, I hate to say even better, but even more access to it without it being weird or anything like that. Right. I don't think it notifies when you turn on your radio, but still. No, but you call in. Yeah. And you call off to everybody. Mm-hmm. The so. whole, yeah, everybody hears it. Mm-hmm. You, have, you have to wait till the chatter dies down to be able to say Officer 129. 139. Yeah. He was on duty that night. I don't know what his officer number is, though. I don't know when he reported, how quick he got there to the scene, because you know it was all hands on deck. I'm sure. Um, once it was called in. But I don't know. But... I think if he didn't do it, he knows something. And there's no fingerprints on, there's no shells found? Shotgun expels a shell. Not that I saw, but again. They might not be releasing that. Might not be releasing that. Because then I think fingerprints would be on a, on a, on a shell. Especially if you had to reload, if it's one shooter. Because mm-hmm. there are two shots tops, right? Is there shotgun? shotguns? Yeah. Yes, it's two shots. So... They had to reload, mm-hmm. so unless they're wearing gloves, there would be fingerprints on shells recovered. Yes. So it couldn't have, you would think, if there was, unless they did. I'm curious now. Yeah. Did they get shells? Or my whole thing is, did they have two guns and not have to reload? It still explodes a shell. Well, unless it's an old school one. If it's like a, I'm, pump, I'm thinking pump shotgun. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. That expels the shell. Yeah. So that would be out. So either they picked it up mm-hmm. or... They used old school one, which keeps it in there, and you have to put them out. But if you did that, and it's still one shooter, they had to take them, which shows again due diligence. Well, and more than most criminals, like they're going to shoot and leave it, and not think nothing about it, right? Unless you've been instructed, don't do that, right? So, again, um, just a theory. Well, we hope you guys have a great week. We will be back with you Wednesday for Worder, and Friday for Free for All. Good night. Bye.